0: Live from
1: Beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumored innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Rush Darwish, Terry Martin of the Illinois Channel, he's the founder conservative Republican, Stephanie Trussell, and later in the broadcast, Dan Rowan, who is the associate news editor of Transport Topics. And we will be talking with Dan about the problems facing the supply chain in the United States and around the world. And so we thank you very much for Joining us uh, tonight and uh, in studio with me as we have Stephanie Trussell and uh, Rush Darwish. So uh, folks, nice to have you with us. And I want to begin uh, by asking, uh, one of the things I want to do tonight is that there's been so much discussion about the infrastructure bill and uh, everybody seems to understand that the Republicans and Democrats, they have agreed on the what I would describe as the real infrastructure, what we would generally describe as roads and bridges and stuff like that, that that's something everybody can agree on, or at least some people can agree on it. And then there is the part two. It's, it's the social infrastructure that progressives, uh, Democrats, that really are pushing for. And they basically have said, uh, you've got to make sure that our bill, the progressive uh, infrastructure bill, uh, with a lot of human needs, uh, a lot of uh, issues that people wouldn't necessarily describe as infrastructure, you've got to make sure that gets passed or we're not going to give you the votes to pass the bigger bill, which has bipartisan support. So one of the things I want to begin this evening, because we have two guests on the phone, or with us in studio, rather, one is a, a progressive, and the other is a um, conservative. I don't know whether you would agree with the assessment, as I have put on you. But I want to find out from you um, how many of these issues that the progressive are progressives trying to push how many of them are really popular with the general public, and, uh, you know, is it worth fighting for? And Terry Martin also joins us. He spent many years with C-SPAN. He's now the founder of the Illinois Channel in Illinois. He knows a lot about what happens congressionally. He can weigh in on the battle that's going on uh, within the Democratic Party and Republicans. And so this will be our, our group for this evening. And want I, I want to uh, begin with you, Stephanie one thing that the democrats want is they want community college they want free community college why is that a bad idea in your view assuming well, that you think it is a bad idea
2: well when they, when they when they play santa claus and they're giving away everything and then someone like myself that wants to be fiscally responsible and say well we can't give away free community college then it's like oh you're against you know poor people being um, educated well, if you do well in school, community college—it costs money. It's—it's it's not free. You will be able to get uh, scholarships and opportunities to go. We, where do we? Where does it end? Free education from pre-K—they want to get them in their pre-K and all the way through junior college. We—we we simply at this time, this is not the days of wine and roses. We simply don't have the money to justify that. And when do some, we
1: know how much? Do we know how much money that really is? Does anybody really know that?
2: No, that's and that's by design. Let's confuse everybody. And, and three point five million billion. I'm sorry, trillion. Oh, that's it's a number. That, trillion <laughs> used to be something like that was so futuristic and we so crazy. We rarely used it. We, right. right. And now, but when you talk to when you listen to real economists, they're saying it's more like five trillion, and we don't know. And it seems like this money is just endless and you know I'm gonna say
1: how are we gonna pay for it rush why do you think that community college uh, and free community college
3: is a good idea well the answer is yes we need it Uh, I have to go by experience Uh, my wife Aziza works for City College of Chicago and she tells me unbelievable stories of people who come into different programs that the junior college has to offer um, and they don't have the funds and there are different grants and scholarships available to them they're now able to take various classes various certification courses they go from being in jobs that pay ten eleven dollars an hour oh. to being certified and now getting paid twenty five to thirty dollars an hour that that person now is supporting their family uh... they don't have to rely rely on government uh... aid or welfare and now they have a real living wage so yes the more people we could put in a junior college the better this country will be okay. terry martin you spent a lot of time watching them
1: uh, make sausage in washington dc and my question to you is uh, very few people know the cost of these various wish points that are in uh, this uh, legislation. Uh, Stephanie thinks that's by design just to confuse everybody. Would you agree with her assessment that that's uh, one of the reasons why uh, when media talks about these bills, they don't necessarily have a, a price tag associated with them, like like, college, like uh, free uh, community college?
4: yeah, I think look, for a couple of reasons. One, Stephanie's right, I would agree with her. Number two, uh, it's been my experience that most of the people in uh, most newsrooms are not there to cover uh, dollars and cents. they They're not interested in the spending side. They're interested in abortion issues, gay rights issues, social justice issues. Uh, they've never, I have a master's degree in uh, journalism. I would say I'm financially literate, but it didn't come from any of the schooling I had in, uh-huh. in undergrad or graduate school. And so I think a lot of times the, the news media is just not as inclined to delve into the numbers.
1: Uh, that's so, that, so in your view, that is a systemic issue uh, in the journalism schools or the young men and women who want to go into journalism. They're more interested in social issues. Frankly, they're a lot sexier. And they don't have the knowledge or the desire to dig deep into numbers. Is that is that one of the major issues uh, for a society that would like to have better journalism? Is is that one of the big defaults of the journalism schools and those that seek that as a profession?
4: It it's a major fault. I would say it's malpractice uh, mm-hmm. to be graduating journalists and they don't they know nothing about how our tax system works. They don't know what marginal income tax means. They don't know the difference between fiscal policy and monetary policy. They don't know who controls interest rates. And I would be pretty surprised if I took most people and said, what is the relationship between interest rates and bond prices? They wouldn't know. They would have a hard time explaining really what a bond is. Mm And I often say, if you don't know what a bond issue is, how do you cover schools? Uh, So it's a major problem and, and not to go too long here, but what are we talking about when we're talking about, we're talking right now about federal spending, the largest funding bill, spending bill in the history of the country, the largest tax increase in the history of the country. This is fiscal policy. And it can't be properly reported on because so many of the reporters don't have a handle on basic economic ideas or even
1: terminology. One thing that's always amazed me is obviously all of these uh, media companies, whether they're print or electronic, they're all owned by major corporations or hedge funds in recent years. I mean, the people at that corporate level, they're certainly financial people. I wonder why they have never taken the time to demand that those people who work for them, who write stories for their audience, aren't better educated in explaining uh, the story. That's just my my thought. We've got to pause right now. We're going to come back. We're going to continue our discussion between some of the things that uh, the progressives want, and we're going to find out whether people really want those things. Back shortly. I'm Bruce Dumont.
4: 145 over 92.
5: 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a
0: cardiac
6: arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
0: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
3: My memory is shot
5: when i woke up i couldn't
6: speak lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org it's
0: a new life but i want to make it better i'll come back to ask your doctor check your blood pressure
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad
7: Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, beating cancer is in our blood learn more at lls.org
5: this is the story of a very special woman in a matter of seconds she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless and still is she could also make monsters disappear especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed
8: Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org/caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Just to back, we continue with Beyond the Beltway 1-800-723-8289. If there's anyone listening, and I'm sure there is, who has attended community college, we're talking about whether or not community college should be made free. And uh, that's one of the things that the Democrats or the progressives have in, in their social infrastructure bill. But one thing that was discussed that you don't hear much about anymore, I think they, they pushed it to the back burner, and that is they, they once upon a time during the campaign, Uh, Joe Biden uh, followed uh, Bernie Sanders' lead and wanted to make uh, uh, college free. And uh, you're a progressive, but this is where you you pull back on your progressive reins on this one, um, Rush.
3: Well, you you talk to some progressives, Bruce, and they say, well, let's just eliminate all college debt. And you know what? There, There has to come a point where you have to draw that line. Some people really do struggle. Some people have hit really hard times. And for those people, yes, there should be consideration to help with their student debt. And I didn't say eliminate all of them, possibly help. But you have a lot of folks out there, God bless them. They've done very well for themselves. Doctors, lawyers, half a million dollars and up. Come on now, the idea that we're going to eliminate their debt doesn't make sense. And when I talk about... Or when we talk about being fiscally responsible, that to me is where you're being fiscally responsible. Let's help the people who really need the help. And for the ones who are doing well for themselves, just pay your fair share.
1: Then should should means testing, uh, Stephanie, should that be part of many government programs? Well, that, that
2: would make sense. In, in so many programs, it's just a blanket across the board. But I have to get back to the community college being free. Mm-hmm. So, in under what guides any class? They take basket weaving. We're just going to pay for whatever they decide to do. And when something's free, mm-hmm. it loses its value to people. And if the progressives really want to make sure people have a living living wage, as they say, well, what happened to all those? Uh, vocational programs in Chicago Public Schools. They all went away. Those kids used to graduate and be able to go out and get a union card and be an electrician. Those programs have been removed. And let's stop pretending have they that... Really,
1: have, have they really... Uh, I, I would be very interested in knowing yeah. for those listening yeah. around the country, uh, your answer to this question. Mm-hmm. That is, have vocational programs in high school been yeah. greatly reduced mm-hmm. or eliminated? Uh, you say that it's... Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, billion- it happens in the city of Chicago. Right.
2: And why do we try to instill in everybody everyone doesn't have to go to college no. let's be honest and they go and they get in their minds they have to go they occur this debt and then they 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 drop out they fail and then they have this student loan debt and remember student loans is just like credit card debt that's something that you choose to do maybe you shouldn't go to harvard if you can't afford the tuition you, you start off with a junior college that's mm-hmm. what i'm encouraging my 16 year old when he graduates in two years he'll spend a couple years we have a phenomenal junior college by us and then once you do well, you can get a scholarship and go on to someone else, somewhere else. But you don't have to uh, build up all this debt and expect the American people to pay for it.
3: Well, the issue isn't the people who go to Harvard. The people who go to Harvard, the people who go to University uh, Northwestern, so on and so forth, what we call the higher end schools. Even if they decide to drop off, they come from uh, family that do well, very well for themselves. So I don't think that's the issue. The issue is, as is a person who comes from a low income home, they want to have an education, and here's the problem. To, to us here maybe we see $2000 a year as something that's uh, very affordable but guess what i have to go back to my wife and and city colleges of chicago do you know how many people cannot absolutely cannot afford even $500 a year and they want to work they want that opportunity so let's give it to them you'd be better off in the front end to take care of somebody help them with their education make sure they get a job than on the back end They can't afford school, they don't have a job that pays the bills, and now guess what? They're jobless, they have to file for unemployment, look at the back end and how much money we have to spend there. So that's being fiscally responsible. From a
1: political standpoint, and this is something I heard uh, obviously during the debate over uh, free college, but I've also heard it as it relates to... uh, paying for even community college which is obviously considerably less money but again it could be an amount monthly amount that maybe you just can't you can't it's a nut you can't crack uh... and, and that is what about and this is a large group of people here all the people who have gone through college on their own they've paid their debt yeah. It may be a debt even to community college. Mm-hmm. They paid it off and they're saying, By golly, this generation's gonna get it for free? Hell no. Exactly. I mean, you know, I Isn't have... that the principal reason why maybe this idea didn't go far enough? Because the number of people who may hate the idea or be jealous of it or resentful of it mm-hmm. is a far greater number than the people who could be a recipient of it, Rush. Well that politically uh, you count the noses
3: there. Uh, I come from the train of thought, Bruce, that education will set this country free. And uh, one thing I've learned, whether you're Republican or Democrat, this nation is not fiscally responsible. Yes, you have the Democrats who will want to spend a lot of money on social programs and education being one of them. But let's not kid ourselves. The Republicans will spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of, of, on war planes, and they'll sit there and get parked, and, and we end up just losing everything. So both sides are fiscally not responsible. When it comes to education, we must invest. Put your money in it. I promise you, you will get it back twofolds. Stephanie?
1: Well, it, when we
2: you describe people your that your wife works with as far as going to community colleges and can't afford the programs, everybody that I know, you get a job when you're sixteen, you work really hard, you can work your way through college. And and again, my question is, what programs do we pay for? Do we someone wants to study the life of a tsetse fly? I have to pay for that. No, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're determined to do something, you're going to do it. It shouldn't be my responsibility. Wouldn't it be nice if everything were free because that's going to help someone? But if someone's determined to achieve the American dream, if someone's determined to get educated, they will. And again, not everybody and, should and go Stephanie, to college. Stephanie,
3: I agree mostly with you on mm-hmm. that. But come on now, you got people that are in really bad situations well, who have who have very tough upbringings well, who have who grow up in an environment mm-hmm. that is a really devastating situation where bullets. Are flying from every right direction here. but here's the thing We're looking right at not here. and I guess what I, I grew mm-hmm. up in Stone Park and that wasn't a great neighborhood either Mm-mm. and guess what I don't I don't call myself the guy that was always determined I don't call myself man I just made the right choices well, you want to know something I'm lucky you're blessed no. I, I am blessed and mm-hmm. I am lucky but you know what a lot of kids aren't lucky a lot of kids grew up in such a poor environment that train of thought that maybe I had and that you had no, nobody could even get to that point.
2: But but let's stop pretending that there aren't so many social programs that are already in existence. If there's something you want to do, there's a program for a program for a program. I was born to a 17 year old mother on the west side of Chicago. Didn't make a whole lot of great decisions in the beginning. But what's so great about America is that we have American privilege. No matter what your situation is, it doesn't dictate how your life is going to be just because you were born to a 17 year old orphan. If you're determined to make it, you will make it because. Everything has been set in place for you to do that. Let's just go out there and do it. It's
3: it's easier to say that, but i got to tell you, if you live in an environment, even if you're, let's say, in kind of a rough neighborhood, and you don't have crime, let's say, on your block, you might be able to get away with that. But if you have to wake up to gunshots, it is much harder to achieve that American dream that you and I are talking about Well, you know what you do?
2: You move out of that neighborhood. Not everyone has the money and the resources. So that's it.
3: And that's the difference between you and me. It's like, I'm not going to say, you know, tough crap.
2: No, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying that my ancestors were escaped slaves. They went up to the north not even knowing if there was really freedom. And you're telling me that someone can take their their housing voucher and move to the suburbs? You, you know, they already no, have this program in the
1: suburbs no, and I mean,
2: they can move somewhere where there's a where there's quality schools, where there are no gunshots. You, you're telling me they can't do it in America. What, I, what I'm, I'm saying sorry, yes is can, there, there is to. no
3: doubt we agree on this. Mm-hmm. Opportunities are there. Yeah. And we also agree that, yes, there comes a point in life. And I, you know, I coach my kids basketball team. Mm-hmm. I, t- I say the same thing. I'm like, at the end of the day it comes down it comes down to that pivotal moment where you do have a choice without question but there are still the outliers who really do want to do good they want to have that job they want to have the yes. education but But their environment, their situation, their family situation, it doesn't work out. And those are the people we need to help. You don't have to help everyone. But for those folks out there that need the help, that are genuine and really want to live that American dream. The help is there already. The help (laughs) is there, but we still can help more.
1: Stephanie, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that uh, your mother was 17 when you were born. Uh, Yes. How many brothers and sisters did you? I'm the
2: oldest. My mother had me at 17, 18 months later. She had my sister. And then 10 years later, she had my brother raised on the west side of Chicago she dropped out of high school to have me she worked really hard to make sure we had private school dance lessons in Michigan Avenue we lived on the west side of Chicago and just what never What did she do? She was she taught herself how to be uh, an administrative assistant she went on to type over 80 words a minute got a job as an administrative assistant for Western Electric and just worked really hard and just when she saved money, we moved into a better neighborhood, and she just kept trying to do better. Her mother died when she was 13. My mother grew up hungry. She made sure we were never hungry. So and so we were unplanned as far as our pregnancies,
1: but our lives weren't unplanned. How, how did you become a conservative oh. Republican?
2: Oh, that's easy. I was born and raised in Chicago. When you're in this packaging, they slap you on the butt and they put a D on you because you, I'm a black person living in Chicago. I wasn't paying attention. I voted the Democrat Party because I was told they care about people like me. And then um, one day, my husband bought a, rad- a car that didn't have an FM radio. I found a WLS, and I started listening to these people that I thought was, they were crazy. But then I realized their values aligned with my values, and I realized if the Democratic Party truly cared about people that look like me. The West Side wouldn't look like the West Side. The South Side wouldn't look like the South Side. And so it became very obvious to me that I had to be in control of what I wanted for my family. I wanted my kids to, to go to quality schools. I couldn't afford to send my kids to Catholic school like my mom. So I moved to the suburbs where the quality of school is great for everyone. So I became a conservative, and to tell you the truth. When I turned my life over to Christ, it was obvious that I needed to be a conservative. That I couldn't be a rep- a Democrat anymore. But Bruce, I, 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 I want to mention my, my, this really okay, quick. Yeah, I want to follow up for you. Yeah, bro yeah.
3: absolutely. I want to. Mm-hmm. By the way, I love listening to your mom's story. I okay. think that's awesome. Well, you know. Know your mom toughed it out, yeah. and okay. that's the story of the American dream. That's the story. Did. Because, yeah, a lot of moms did. But what about those moms that didn't? What about What about that mom that just had a kid or had multiple kids, mm-hmm. and they just? Got into some trouble, yeah. made those bad choices, and now right. look at those kids. Hope they have to grow up into. No, I, I'm just saying. So now that's well, it. You that know said, the government that, can't that, raise children. But already. but I understand it. Right. But you know what? We have to help. I mean, here you have this three-year-old, the five-year-old, uh, and they grew up in this environment where they don't have. Mom, who's working hard, that's able to take them to dance lessons or basketball, whatever the sport that their activity that they play. What about them? What, to what say that, them? well, the, the idea and a lot of times what the Republican values are. Well, hey, you gotta, you gotta go out there, roll your sleeves up, and make it. But it doesn't work that way because they're at such a disadvantage. Is huh. there? Is there? I want to come back because mm-hmm. uh, you make
1: a very strong, progressive, uh, sympathetic, picture,
3: or humanitarian but, or point. Or humanitarian
1: but. point. But my question is this: When is enough enough? Or what's the magic number? At what point can't we do that? Because we literally don't have enough people or money to work and pay taxes. I wanna talk about that when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont, thanks for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway.
9: No word in English language is less convincing than probably.
12: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at do I have That's do I have
10: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or, uh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at
12: doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness
4: Partners. 145 over 92. 180 over
5: 111. 182 over 100. And I had a
0: heart attack and a cardiac arrest
6: and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
0: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke
3: my memory is
5: shot when i woke up i couldn't speak
6: lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org it's a new life
0: but i'm going to make it better i'll come back ask your doctor check your blood pressure
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
1: Bruce Dumont back with segment number three of Beyond the Beltway this evening. Thank you very much. And also a moment to say thank you to Jeannie Ives who sat in for me last week when I was away, and she did a wonderful job. And again, uh, she's been a guest on this program a number of times, and uh, she sat in the host seat last week and did a very nice job. So, Jeannie, I know you may be listening. Thank you uh, very much. Appreciate it. Uh, We're going to take a moment now to let each of our guests introduce themselves, and we're going to start with Terry Martin, who didn't get much to say in the last (laughs) segment. Terry, go ahead. Tell everybody who you are.
4: I used to, uh, you know, I, I ran a, a printing business in the uh, 1980s and mm-hmm. sold that, uh, went to Washington and covered Congress. And for the last 24 or five years, I've been covering Illinois politics uh, with the local news. And for the last oh, 18 years or so, running the Illinois Channel, which is modeled after C-SPAN. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I bring uh, that background of both having been in business and covered Washington at the state level. Um, Do you see I, any,
1: uh, any positive or negative similarity between the way the federal government uh, makes sausage and makes its laws and the way state government uh, makes it, at least in Illinois that you're familiar with? Are there a lot of similarities or a lot of uh, differences?
4: Well, there's, there's some key differences. Uh, And, of course, with the federal government, the key difference is is that they can create money out of thin air uh, as we see with the Federal Reserve uh, doing it and the, uh, you know, the Treasury being able to control uh, some of the fiscal policy Mm -hmm. for the entire nation, whereas obviously that doesn't happen at the state level. The other thing is you have more diverse power structures Mm -hmm. across the country when we talk about Congress. Whereas I often say that in uh, Illinois we have a geographic problem, because so much of the power of the entire state politically rests in uh, Chicago, that uh, there there's no nothing to balance it. You know, I I grew up in St. Louis, and I often say that Kansas City balances St. Louis, and then you have a plethora of other mm-hmm. uh, small towns like Columbia, Missouri, and Springfield, Missouri. Right. But it's so we're so lopsided in Illinois that that's a primary difference, and it's probably true in some other states. Yeah. Uh, Rush,
1: tell everybody a little bit about your background.
3: Thank you, Bruce. Rush Darwish, president of the Arab American Business and Professional S- Association, also owner of Rush Productions. We're a full-service media company. Uh, one more thing, Bruce. Um, I'm the chairman for a group called the Refugee Life Foundation, and we have a running endurance team called the Running Refugees, where this Friday, guys, we're going to do a 300-mile Bike and run from Chicago to Dearborn. A team of twelve people to Michigan, raise. That's well, right, Michigan. Dearborn, Michigan, where twelve people will bike and ride, all in name of raising funds to provide hearing aids for Palestinians living in the West Bank.
1: Okay. And Stephanie, tell us, everybody, you, you told a little bit about your early life when you were born, right? Uh, and, a, and a little bit about your talk radio uh, inspiration. So a little bit more about what you're up to.
2: Well, I'm born and raised in Chicago. I am married. Uh, mother of five, two granddaughters. Mm-hmm. I won a contest about nine years ago on WLS. One radio show was all that was promised to me. Mm-hmm. I somehow parlayed that into seven years on the biggest talk station in in Chicago. That was a lot of fun. I worked for Jeannie Ives, and now I'm a, a grandma driving around the western suburbs. Uh, still, I have a 16 year old, so I'm still a mom, too encouraging him to go to junior college so he won't have a lot of debt, but that's just what I'm up to lately.
1: One of the other issues uh, We're going to take a call in just a moment from Ben But uh, one of the other issues that's uh, that, that's in this social package the Democrats are pushing is uh, expanding uh, early childhood education and uh, an extended leave uh, Is that a good idea if if, if you're working and uh, your company provides maternity leave Uh, the progressives want to expand to that is that a good idea or a bad idea if you're a young mother as you once were and your mother was a young mother
2: well you know on the surface it sounds like a very good idea but I keep thinking about the small to medium-sized business owners six weeks was normally the what everyone got now it's up to 13 weeks and it's great for a big corporation but thinking from a person I've ran a couple businesses my husband and I luckily we were small enough or we didn't fall under some of these regulations how would you pay for that uh, and one thing about maternity leave but now it's paternity leave and pre-k is just a, a couple more extra years of the, the Democrat party indoctrinating your children why should we pay for that uh, There are programs at park districts you can send your kids for a couple hours you pay ninety bucks for the semester It gives them a chance to get used to being away from mommy and daddy but to have this government run uh, pre-k uh, programs no it's unnecessarily because they're already indoctrinating kids way too young and so we don't need them to get them two years
3: earlier rush education will set us free I, I've okay. said it once I'll say it again and if there's an opportunity and if there is a path to have early childhood education if there's better childcare especially for the mom uh, you know I actually mean my wife Aziza we split our time to raise our we have a exactly. we have a 15 year old now I will say we had a 15 year old we had a six-year-old but uh, the price that my wife had to pay was much greater than me. I own and operated my own business. Uh, she eventually had to leave her work in order to, you know, raise my son Amir, and that's that's tough. So if there were better uh, better benefits out there, uh, I wish she wasn't in that position where she had to leave her work. Mm-hmm.
1: Terry, back to you for what's happening in Washington uh, right now. Uh, you have uh, the progressives in the House. Uh, you have a couple of uh, U.S. senators that are standing uh, uh, by waiting to get their way, uh, with uh, the vast majority of Democrats uh, disagreeing with them. I'm talking about uh, Senators Cinema uh, and Manchin. Uh, who do you think blinks? And, and who who's winning that war of hearts and minds at the moment? Because cinema uh, uh, and mansion are getting uh, a lot of publicity on their stands. Uh, can they survive the ongoing pressure?
4: Well, my gut feel is that Cinnamon uh, and uh, mansion are winning, and and the Republicans are winning in that. Uh, I I think there has been so much calamity, for lack of a better word, within the Biden administration in such a small amount of time. So that things like Afghanistan, which really are not connected to this bill, but they do have an impact in the mindset of the people. And we also haven't mentioned all this massive illegal immigration coming in. So when we look at, you know, just the way the administration is projecting itself, I think it's projecting a very bad image. And I think that strengthens the political hand of the opposition to the uh, Mm -hmm. administration. Mm
1: -hmm. I want to come back to you, Rush, because I asked this question before the break when you were talking about ways in which government can help those who are downtrodden or or having a tough time in life. When when does the government, when does this country, uh, when is enough enough when do we say that you know if we let in a hundred and fifty thousand people from Central America now there's gonna be another hundred and fifty thousand in a year and then a hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred thousand three years down the road Uh, how big are we as a country how big is the heart of our country and most importantly how much is the American taxpayer willing to pay because, obviously, a lot of people who don't like to pay, they're, they're being tarnished as, as heartless, uh, as fascists. I mean, you name it. Uh, but, you know, they have, they have lives to live. They have bills to pay as well. And there has to be some limit on what the American taxpayer has asked for. Because there's a lot more people out there that would like to come to this country than currently living in this country. That are paying the bills.
3: Well, you draw the line, and this is really the simple answer: whether it's immigration, healthcare, social services for the people where the need versus the want. And when we talk about education, healthcare, even immigration, you know, when when somebody is coming from a war torn country with their mom, with the mom and three kids, uh, and they're in really bad shape, you know, we shouldn't turn away kids and tell them to go back. I mean, uh, we have to be, you know, humanitarians I here. He, that
1: that's, that, that uh, is I that. is that. Yeah. I want Stephanie to jump in right away because you're painting a picture, and the Democrats and the media, they yeah. paint brilliant pictures yeah. of people who really have problems. I don't think anybody denies that those problems exist. The question is, what do you do? Do, do you end up having to say yes to everyone that wants a handout? Stephanie.
2: Well, unlike... Kamala Harris, I have been to McAllen, Texas. I have sat in the living room of Mexican-Americans that have lived on the border for four or five generations and explaining to me what it's like now that the borders open coming across, knocking on their doors, and what angers me is that they keep painting all these victims of children and moms coming across, but open borders is a gateway for uh, obviously drugs, For sex trade and so many other things but as a descendant of enslaved Americans where the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment was written for my ancestors not for everyone else and if you want to see some mothers suffering go on the west side of Chicago where I grew up and I'll show you some pain and suffering where there's no grocery stores where do they go to get asylum from the violence and the bullets that you even describe going? so no offense we need to build a wall to make sure that uh, we know who's coming into America because I'm sure you sleep with your door locked as I do I don't leave my door unlocked, just hoping that maybe someone, a refugee that might need to come in, can come in. No, it's responsible to make sure we know who's coming into but our the, but borders. But the
3: refugees aren't coming to your house. Well,
2: well you the, know the what? Mom,
3: the mom with the, the three kids that right. I'm talking about. And let her Bruce, apply for Bruce, asylum. Let Bruce. her apply for
2: asylum and like everyone else I'm doing the legal channels.
3: All on? I'm saying is that we need Rush. to create a path and a system uh, that is, it is transparent mm-hmm. and that it is able to distinguish the people who should come to this country. Well, describe what
1: should happen to them. Describe what should happen to them. Let's say... a a mother and she has four children okay and she is now in the system she's her, she has set her feet on U.S. soil what what do you think take us through the take if, us through if, the if, process. if I were to
3: give you if I were to give you the policy on that is number one I'm not going to turn him back what I'm going to do is one we're going to bring them in we're going to make sure that we give them at least proper documentation to come to this country for the mom to get an opportunity to work and to make sure that the kids have an opportunity to go to school. This is called the American dream, and we should owe that to them.
1: I want to have people follow up on that, and Ben is listening to us in El Paso, Texas. I promise we'll go to Ben when we come back. I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-80289. Thanks for joining us on Beyond the Beltway tonight.
12: We all have the ability to touch the lives of those around us. To someone going through a difficult time, a text, a call, or a visit can mean so much. Reach out to the veterans in your life today. Let them know they're not alone. One simple act can make all the difference. That's the power of one. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, visit VeteransCrisisLine.net for free, 24-7 confidential support.
8: a public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
9: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
5: Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been
9: 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh,
10: you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, Don't tell me what to do. Cannonball! <laughs> cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
9: Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and Ad Council.
1: Bruce Dumont, back. Thanks very much for joining us. Let's go to Edwin or Ben. I'm sorry, Ben is listening to us in El Paso, Texas. Go ahead,
4: Ben. Hello, Bruce. Um, okay, education will set us free. How about giving those disadvantaged children a real chance at a better life by taking them out of our failing public school system? How about a choice of schools, school of choice?
1: Okay, let's let's again that that isn't part of the discussion, but I right. I think it's part of the discussion between progressives and conservatives. Though, Definitely. So where do you come down on that uh, point? Well, the
3: the idea of trying to send our kids where they actually have a choice would, once again, it would end up being very, very expensive. So we have this huge, huge public school system. Let's make it work. You know, I'm going to say something that may surprise you. You may think it's a little bit wild. But, you know, we've got Walgreens and McDonald's. I know they're corporations, so on and so forth. But no matter where they're at... You have a standard of how that building looks like, uh, the the structure of the building, the policy of the building, and this is where the government has failed. There should never be one school that's better than the other school. There should never Amen. be. There should never be. Uh, a teacher in Naperville, admits, that's, they make 70000 a year, while somebody in the city makes 40000 a year. Huge economic gap. We have to make our public system work, but it starts with equality. But the idea that, you know, I'll be honest with you. Does it um, take I-
1: power away from the local school councils? and. Uh, local it it, it will,
3: you know, when I get my property tax every and I, I look up, it's 60% of it, it's going to the schools, it's going to the public school system. Mm-hmm. Now, I have another son, I, I should let you know, that does go to a private school. And mm-hmm. it is frustrating sometimes that I pay this huge, you know, property tax bill where I'm like, wait a second, shouldn't I get some sort of a voucher? My, my kid's not going, but I also understand I have another son that goes to a public school and we have to find a way to make the public schools work because I know that to give people vouchers our our country and our our education is already means
1: do the unions have too much power and have they created some of the problems that you have articulated well the inequities
3: I'm gonna switch and say this when it comes to the unions that we need the unions oh. and I am gonna say this as well we should have union opportunities or training at, at a young age of seventh eighth grade training courses should begin so when somebody actually graduates from high school Now they actually are trained and ready to go in case they don't want to go to school. They actually have the skill set to get a job in the trades field. So there should 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 be be merit
1: merit testing of teachers?
3: There should be more opportunities out there, more alternative options. How about
1: merit testing to separate a good teacher from a bad teacher?
3: Would you support that? Absolutely. And I don't know, and by the way, guys... Not everything, when we have a conversation, I don't base off everything, well, what's a Democrat or Republican no. point? Well, Bottom line is, I do. We, do have some, we, do, we shouldn't, and that's our problem right there. Okay. The well, problem I, I, is... Why do you do that? Ta- tag me
2: in. I have to talk about school choice. When you're regulated to the failing school in your zip code, that's not fair, and progressives love to do this. They want to compare Naperville to Chicago schools. Let's compare Whitney Young which is, and, and Walter Payton and these other phenomenal schools, we have a model schools for that in, in CPS Chicago, right. that are in Chicago, opposed to some of the failing schools that one in four black children attend a failing school in Chicago. And so why shouldn't they have a choice to be able to go to Whitney Young? They have to go to these schools. If you spend any time on the Chicago Public School website those, like I do and, and look at the graduation rates for some of these schools, it is embarrassing. They're failing are those these children.
1: schools reality? Are those schools failing because teachers are failing or because parents are failing?
2: Well, it's a combination, unfortunately. And let me tell you, Chicago public school teachers make more money than any other school district in the nation. So look that up. So we compare, and again, Naperville and what they make. We pay a lot more taxes to a certain degree out in the suburbs. Yes, it is a combination. It's home, school, and or working together to make sure the kid gets uh, the education that they need. But at the same time, you're talking about that kid that may have a bad home situation but they're determined and they really want to get a good education and they can't go to a great school because when you have again Whitney Young I say that because my sister graduated from there What my mom paid for me to go to private schools she she was able to get a phenomenal education but but again not everybody's lucky enough to get into Whitney Young
1: Uh, Terry Martin a question to you who in your view is winning the battle uh, in the for the hearts and minds in the in the court of public opinion over whether or not More Americans want more services provided or more free stuff, as Republicans have described it. And how many are out there saying, heck no, we don't want to give anything more to to create a a stronger social net? Who's winning that battle uh, in the halls of Congress?
4: In the halls? well. I, I THINK THE NUMBERS IN CONGRESS KIND OF SHOW uh, THAT ACROSS THE COUNTRY, THAT WE ARE A DIVIDED COUNTRY. Yeah. THE DEMOCRATS HAVE A FIVE-SEAT MAJORITY IN THE HOUSE. Uh, WE'RE 50-50 IN THE SENATE. AND SO it's, IT'S ARGUABLE IF ANYONE IS. LET ME THROW IN SOMETHING, THOUGH. THE, the federal, budget, mm-hmm. uh, FEDERAL FISCAL YEAR, I SHOULD SAY, ENDED SEPTEMBER 30. AND WE JUST GOT SOME NUMBERS THAT ARE INTERESTING BECAUSE JOE BIDEN NOT ONLY WANTS TO PASS THE LARGEST SPENDING BILL IN THE HISTORY OF THE NATION, BUT HE WANTS TO HAVE THE LARGEST TAX INCREASE. What we learned at, after the federal year ended was that revenues to the federal government were up 18%. Corporation taxes were up 75%. Individual income taxes were up 27.5% and the capital gains were up 33%. What that added to was that for the first time in history, the federal government took in over $4 trillion in revenue. And we we are not suffering from a lack of revenues coming into the federal government. When we, when we talk about some of these things, as we talked earlier about should college be free, should community college be free, there might be some very good arguments for that. But what about cutting out some of the dead wood that we're already spending money on and saying, let's transfer that money, cancel a job, cancel a program that's not producing, and spending the money there. And I I think that that's something that uh, we ought to have as a, whether it's the Democrats that do it or the Republicans, it's probably more of a Republican argument, but we ought to have that because that's what happens in business. That's what happens in family homes. You you stop spending money on A and put it over on B if that's what you want to do. Have the
1: Republicans, do they have to be stronger in trying to make that demand?
4: I think they do. I think that two months, I, I think they have been uh, rather weak in their message and they need to really focus on what the messages are and hit those hard Okay. and make them clear. Terry, we've got a pause. Uh, we will all be
1: back uh, for the next hour. And by the way, in the next hour, we're going to be joined by an expert on the, uh, the, the various transportation issues that have uh, shut down a lot of commerce in the country. I'm Bruce Dumont. Back shortly. Don't go away.
12: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre diabetes awareness partners.
7: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
5: This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed.
8: Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: Bruce Dumont back, hour number of two. Thank you very much. Our phone lines open, one 800 723 8289 one 723 8289 If you've been watching the news or uh, basically alive in this country for the last uh, uh, week or so, you know that the, we have a major supply chain problem facing the United States and the world. And uh, joining us now is an old friend of this program. Uh, He is Dan Ronan. He is the associate news editor of Transport Topics, and he deals with transportation uh, on a daily basis. That's his job. Dan, let me ask you kind of two hopefully simple questions. Um, How did we get into this mess? That's question number one. Go ahead.
11: Well, let's start with COVID and let's work uh from that point on. In the last 18, 19 months, uh, we've taken a chunk of the economy, services, going to ball games, hotels, uh, airlines and the like. And we've taken that money that we had, that we were using in the service out of the economy, and we started buying things. Uh, We've seen the percent of retail sales continue going upwards for the last month over month over month. And then you take in put the e-commerce segment of the economy we we're already using amazon and walmart.com beforehand but because no one was going out to brick and mortar stores bruce we ended up shifting about eight percent of our economy that was in the online sector and we've moved it into the e-commerce sector that means we need more delivery drivers that's the first situation second thing is it's just now been in the last couple of months that the department of motor vehicles and uh, the places where we get our driver's license and everything, they've started gearing up again. Well, we have a truck driver driver shortage in this country to the tune, depending on the number, anywhere between sixty to 80,000 drivers. Last year, the Department of Transportation instituted another thing called the Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse. So if you're a driver and you change jobs, when you go to the new job, you have to take a urinalysis. We've lost close to 100,000 drivers because they failed drug tests because in most cases, Mm -hmm. it was for marijuana. Many states have got to legalize marijuana, Mm -hmm. maybe a driver's off duty for a couple of days, he goes home, he takes an edible or he smokes a joint, does whatever he or she does, but there's no way like alcohol to test how long ago you smoked or you did the edible. So you go to get the new job, you go to start on a new job, and the first thing you do is you go do your urine test, and now you're disqualified, and it's a long process to get back in the ports have been backlogged you know we've lost we've lost longshoremen because of covid we've had a high number of retirements we've seen these numbers with the retirement numbers that we've been talking about so you put all of these things you stir it up you add some water and everything like that Mm -hmm. and you put the shipping costs in there and lo and behold we have a real serious problems not just at the ports of long beach and los angeles but savannah the port of new york new jersey where you've got backlogs, you've got ships sitting out in the Atlantic side as well. And right now, you know, we're coming up to crunch time. Black Monday, Black Friday is four weeks away. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the perfect storm. Yeah, and one, just one follow up. Uh, most of the television
1: uh, uh, visuals, have been focusing on Long Beach and, and, and West Coast, uh, Pacific Ocean, uh, you know, freighters that are left uh, sitting in, in the in the bay there, waiting that to be unloaded. Uh, is it just as bad on the
11: East Coast or is it less so on the East it's Coast? Not, it's not as bad, but it's still bad. I checked mm-hmm. the numbers for Savannah, which Savannah is fast becoming one of the busiest ports on the East Coast. Savannah had about 22, 25 ships sitting off the, the, the Atlantic coast, but Savannah never had ships That's sitting off the coast. Uh, Long Beach, Los Angeles had 62, and some of them have been out there, Bruce and the panel, for 16, 18 days wow. off of San Pedro Bay, waiting to get a berth. Now, they've announced plans to go to 24 seven, and it's gonna take a while to change the schedules and to do this, you know, it's it's, it's late in the season for this. And, and if you think this is gonna be solved tomorrow or the next day it's not it's going to be something that goes into 2022 uh the lunar new year the chinese new year is early this year which means the the shippers are going to be trying to move a lot of stuff to this country in january uh because the plants in china and uh, southeast asia shut down in uh, february early this year for a couple of weeks uh we've got a we've got a problem that's going to be around the experts that i talked to say well into the first quarter maybe into the summer of next year. In the early days of COVID, uh, when there was a lot of
1: focus on how much medical equipment and including pharmaceuticals came from uh, China or that region of the world, there was a lot Mm -hmm. of discussion about whether or not we were too reliant on the pharmaceutical issues and and, or matters or or things that need to be manufactured as it related to China. Uh, Since that time, has there been any uh diminishing of a reliance on anything on any product
11: from china no i don't think so but there i I will say this there are companies that are looking or it's called nearshoring of moving some of their operations to guatemala to panama to honduras to some of the, the the northern triangle companies and that idea is starting to get A lot of attention now and a lot of positive attention because the shipping costs would be a lot less also we've got the new uh, u.s mexico canada trade agreement which uh you know whether you agree with it or disagree disagree with it uh, that's going to bring a lot of business up from central america through mexico Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be something i think you'll see movement uh towards more manufacturing in the in the northern hemisphere but it's not like you can just build a factory or build some sort of a uh, a manufacturing plant or a warehouse in a couple of days. I mean, it takes time if you if you decide, companies decide to do this. How many ports do we have in the United States? Oh, it's well over 70. It's, it's well over 70, but you know, there's the 10 big ones, uh, Long Beach, Los Angeles, then Oakland, of course, uh, Seattle, Tacoma, New York, New Jersey, uh, Baltimore, I'm just running through my head, Virginia, South Carolina, Savannah, uh jacksonville's pretty big size houston uh houston's pretty big size all of them handle what are called teus they're these Mm -hmm. big containers that are stacked one by one like lego box on top of a ship and uh, that's another thing too bruce when you know we started moving things by containers in the 1950s uh and we came up with a standard container size the ships handled a couple thousand containers i've been on container ships that can move 15,000 containers. I was on one in the Port of Baltimore about uh, pre-COVID, uh, about a year and a half ago. They're gargantuan ships, and uh, it takes a lot of work to get the crane, take the crane, take the container off the crane, put it down, put it in the yard, move it over. I mean, it's it's a pretty labor-intensive process. It takes a couple of days. Now, also,
1: did I read that the, there's a move afoot uh, to create a brand new port
11: on the Mississippi River? Yeah, uh, in Cairo, Illinois. I'm glad you saw that. I wrote that story at uh, ttnews.com. Now, this would be an inland port, and primarily it would be used to bring agricultural goods down the Mississippi. The Port of New Orleans uh, does a great job in terms of moving agricultural products. You know, we move uh, millions of pounds of agricultural products uh, down the Mississippi. I mean, back to the days of uh, like the 1800s in many respects, but it's a lot more sophisticated. We bring a lot of goods down the Mississippi, and uh, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, Missouri, all these states are border states with, with the Great River. So there's plans afoot. Uh, and your governor Bruce Rainer has uh, signed legislation Former to governor. put about forty million dollars worth of uh, seed money. Uh, excuse me, JB Pritzker. JB Pritzker has signed money, uh, signed a bill Ooh. as part of his infrastructure bill. Dan, we've got, so a, it was, we've, got a pa- uh, we've got a we've got a, we've got a pause. When we
1: come back, we'll talk with Dan Rowan, and we'll get uh, questions from the public. Thank you.
9: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure,
5: um, we'll probably stay together.
9: Probably. <laughs> it's been twenty-three minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim.
10: Uh, you should wait thirty minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do. Cannonball!
9: Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
11: I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. <laughs>
10: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or, ugh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
12: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92.
5: 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke.
6: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
0: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
5: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
6: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it. Or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life.
0: But I'm gonna make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
1: Bruce Dumont, we continue uh, with our guest, Dan Rowan. He is uh, the associate news editor of Transport Topics and that covers all of the the transportation uh, aspects of uh, what's happening in the United States at least as it relates it's primarily related to uh, what's on wheels correct Tru- yeah wheels trucking. i know a lot trucking. about
11: aviation but i okay. but primarily uh,
1: trucking ports
11: uh, a lot of i cover a lot of railroads as well
1: do you know uh, approximately off the top of your head how many trucking jobs might be available in this country at the moment
11: well, we're short at least sixty thousand, and wow. you know it's an older it's an older industry, Bruce. I mean, a yes. lot of people get into it as their second job in their thirties or forties. Uh-huh. Uh, we're short at least sixty thousand, but what's funny though is that the the industry's changing. You know, we have this image of uh, truck driving being you know the long, lonely driver driving on the interstate at uh, sure. you know five o'clock in the morning. It's becoming much more regional with the uh, development of uh, hub and spoke, a lot like what the airlines Southwest does. Uh, Airlines, a lot of the airlines are using. Uh, it's becoming much more hub and spoke with the distribution centers. So you go out for the day and you do your local drop off mm-hmm. and you come right back in. But sixty thousand is at least is at least the number that we we use in the industry. One quick uh,
1: quick question, and then my guests in studio want to uh, get at you as well. And Matty, you were talking about. Uh, The issue of that a lot of drivers lose their job early on because that they may have marijuana in their system when they go to get uh, uh, their test when they when they start. And again, you're the first person that I've heard discuss that, uh, at least, you know, in a a national talk show format. Uh, Backing up, I'm wondering, uh, there's a lot of uh, people who are in prison now. They are looking for uh, a break when they get out. Now, hopefully, if they're getting out of prison, hopefully, hopefully they don't have marijuana in their system. Hopefully. We don't know that, but maybe. My question to you is, is there any reason why uh, the federal prison, the the Federal Bureau of Prison, or maybe even state prisons, would have courses on a commercial driver's license so that it would help deal with an issue they would already know from the get go they're going to be tested constantly for drugs and this yet becomes a second opportunity for them to become a productive and also well-paid member of society does that make any sense at all
11: it does make a lot of sense and i've talked with folks about this and there are trucking companies that if you're in that you did time for a non-violent offense and you're uh-huh. not you know, uh, you're not someone who's dangerous to the community after yeah. you come out. That, yeah, there are trucking companies that'll give you a chance and will put you into some sort of a, a training program to get you started. And uh, so long as you've paid your time and you, you know, you're, you're, you know, if you got to go into probation and see the pro, pro parole officer once a month or whatever the conditions of your release are, there are companies that will hire you, and they're out okay. there. And uh, I've talked with folks in the industry, and they've said, yeah. You know, so long as the guy or the, the lady's got a clean record and it's a nonviolent offense, uh, there are those companies that will take a chance on you and will will let you go. But, you know, back to the point about the uh, the drug thing. Uh, the drug and alcohol clearinghouse has done a great job in terms of getting unsafe drivers off the road. We want to make sure that mm-hmm. there's not, you know, drivers who are, you know, with substance abuse problems. Part of this also has to do with CBD oil. You know, a lot of people use CBD oil and uh, there's no way to tell how much THC is in some CBD oil. So a guy's got an acre or pain and rubs the CBD oil on it, and lo and behold, he goes and does a urinalysis, and it shows up hot, and then you got to go in the penalty box.
1: Okay. Uh, we have guests in studio. Uh, Stephanie Trussell is here. She's got a question for you. Go ahead.
2: I saw a report that the turnover rate for truck drivers is over 90%. Is that accurate, and, and what would, would attribute to such a high turnover rate?
11: It's not so much the turnover rate, it's just that the companies are so, uh, are are hiring, you know, you're paying your drivers uh, 72 cents a mile and the competition's paying their guys 78 cents a mile. So you leave and go from, to the company that's paying the higher higher thing. So that's where that comes from. And a lot of, there's been, I've done story after story after story lately where companies have you know, raise their pay for their drivers. There's a great company in down in downstate Illinois, down in the Pekin area, that's now employee owned. The uh, the management of the company sold uh, 38, 40% of the company to its employees. So now they've got a share of, of the action. They own a, a chunk of the company. So companies are being, you know, in a position where driver pay stories are, are routine, but the turnover rate has to do with the fact that I, I'm paying one guy this, but I'll raise you a nickel here but I'll raise you a dime here and I'll raise you 12 cents here. That's mm-hmm. where it's coming from. Rush Starwish, she's got a comment for you.
3: Dan, first of all, great job at giving the information about the meltdown mm-hmm. of our infrastructure. Yeah. I thought that was really amazing and I learned a ton in, in a span of two minutes, which in a world of uh, infrastructure is very difficult to get that all in. But this is a political Thanks. show and I've got to ask, uh, you know Pete Buttigieg, he was on, uh, I believe, Make Meet the, the Press pressed yeah. today, and he 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 yeah. says he says uh, the the Biden administration has done everything possible to help the situation with our infrastructure disaster, which is really what it is right now. Uh, you've spoken so well on the problem, but can you put, you know, can you take your finger and blame the Biden administration for not doing enough?
11: No I, 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 and I'm not one I'm a reporter I don't you know I don't deal in the the political mischief that either the Republicans or the Democrats are involved in. but we we haven't had a major infrastructure bill in this country in the last five six years. Uh, we talked a lot about infrastructure in the Trump administration and unfortunately Mr. Trump wasn't able to get it with the, 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 the Republicans and the Democrats through Congress. Uh, our highways are in pretty rough shape. I mean your governor Pritzker, uh, in the legislature going to spend $22 billion to fix the roads. Our ports are terribly underinvested. Uh, I've never been to a port in China, but those who have, and those that I know who have been there say they're magnificent facilities that run 24 seven, uh, deep water channels that can, uh, you know, but, but China's a different style of government. If they want the land, they take it. We need to go through environmental hearings and, uh, you know, corps of engineers and stuff like that to get stuff done. So, you know, if the infrastructure bill passes, it'll start to move things along. But things in this country, from a political standpoint, as you guys know, and you guys are in the political world, they move slowly. It takes a long time to do permitting and, you know, community hearings and environmental impact studies, all those things. It's not going to be something that's fixed tomorrow. So there will be there will be no quick answer to this. I just want to clarify that. There's no,
1: no quick answer to because this.
11: because we, we've set in place this system where uh, – I'll tell you a quick story there's there's in chicago there's a place down in the homewood flossmore area that i've been doing a story about an old golf course down there a developer bought the land uh, bought the golf course out of bankruptcy he wants to turn it into a uh, a distribution center the folks in that community are fighting him tooth and nail in cook county uh to keep that golf course going even though it's in bankruptcy and it's i don't know if it's actually in bankruptcy anymore but it owed it owed cook county half a million dollars in taxes And they can't build a distribution center there because the the folks there don't want it. That's their right to do. Well, in another country and under another political system, they'd seize the land and they'd build a distribution center. We don't work that way. That's just not our system of government. That's not the way we work. So it's not going to be something that's fixed immediately. It's going to be something that takes a while to to do this. And plus, e-commerce is running the economy now. We want stuff fast. I go on Amazon. I want something in my house in, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours. It takes trucks to get it there. It takes trains. It takes ports. It takes all these things.
1: From the moment, and I realize that it may depend on what the product is, but when a product is put on a pallet in China, how long will it take that pallet to, let's say, hit a shelf in, you know,
11: Houston, Texas? Well, it takes about 14 days to get across the ocean. So 14 days. Then, if it's going to uh, San Pedro Bay, uh, Long Beach, and Los Angeles, mm-hmm. however long it takes to get off the ship, and then a couple days to go from the ship to the truck to the mm-hmm. warehouse, from the warehouse to the you know the distribution center in uh, Kankakee, uh, you know six weeks, eight weeks uh, if things are moving along pretty quick. We also don't have any warehouses. Uh, the vacancy rate for warehouses right now in this country is four percent and if you in southern california it's less than two percent there's no warehouse space available as well so we're, we're jammed up and like i said people don't want warehouses uh in their neighborhood because they believe that you know it brings in noise and truck traffic and diesel emissions and all those things so it's a, it's, a, it's a real complicated
1: problem what about the delivery of fresh fruit
11: and produce well we made it through the pandemic and i went to the grocery store the other day and my grocery store was pretty full. You know, there's a grocery is store I think. Is while. most so, of that I domestic okay. Is most of that domestically be... produced? Yeah, well most of it's domestically produced and it's, you know, per, you know, and a lot of places have gone to where they like, you know, local local farmers and the like to uh-huh. uh you know, to source your grocery store, whether it's a Jewel Osco or a right. or in my case a giant. So, you know, they're trying to buy as much local as they can and that that helps a lot too
1: and uh when 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 you talk about that you think it's going to take uh, some time here uh what, what what's the first piece of this problem do you think has to be corrected uh, is there a domino yeah. effect that you
11: can set up i mean yeah do we have to have get, more get, drivers get, get before the 60 we... or so, get the 60 or so ships that are off of san pedro yeah. bay off of long beach and los angeles unloaded get some warehouse space in riverside california open get those 20 ships in savannah off uh, out you know from the ocean, get them into uh, berths uh, the 10 or so up in New York, New Jersey, unload them and free up some space. That's the first thing that's got to happen.
1: Okay, so th- that's all, those are all things that can happen uh, basically on on our soil. Yeah. but again, you, you need bodies to unload those uh, freighters and you need bodies to uh, to deliver them to uh, the warehousing. So yeah. it, it comes back yeah. it and comes there's down a to the shortage of warehouse workers. It, it, comes, it comes down to the need for people, which is why, uh, you know, if you look in the, uh, uh, the want ads, I guess they don't have want ads anymore. You look online, uh, there's an awful lot of jobs that are available for people that really want to work. Dan, thanks very much for being with us. Yeah. Can you stick with us a little bit longer? Of course, Bruce, absolutely. Okay, very good. We'll be back. I'm Bruce Dumont. Lots of callers. We'll bring them in when we return. Don't go away.
8: a public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
9: No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first
5: date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together.
9: Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh,
10: You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, <laughs> tell me what to do. Cannonball! <laughs> cramp! Oh, I have a cramp.
9: I can probably hit the green from here. Probably.
7: (laughs) Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go?
5: Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive?
7: Yeah,
9: I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving, a message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.
1: Bruce Dumont back. We continue with Dan Rohn. He is uh, with uh, Transport Topics, and uh, we've got callers on the line, and also Terry uh, Martin uh, continues with us uh, from our first hour. In fact, let's go, let's go to Terry, because Terry, uh, I understand you've got a question uh, for Dan or a comment.
4: Yeah, uh, DAN, I uh, HAVE DONE A LOT OF COVERAGE OVER THE YEARS ON uh, THE PORTS ON THE MISSISSIPPI uh, NORTH OF ST. LOUIS. THEY'RE FALLING APART. Mm-hmm. THEY'RE 600 FEET LONG. PANAMA JUST MADE THEM 1200 uh, FEET LONG. YOU KNOW, I'M SURPRISED WITH THE MISSISSIPPI AND ALL THE STATES THAT ARE RELIANT ON MOVING THE AGRICULTURAL AND THE COAL DOWN THE MISSISSIPPI TO the PORT OF NEW ORLEANS. DO YOU HEAR ANYTHING ABOUT THE POSSIBILITY OF GETTING FUNDING TO REBUILD THESE PORTS, WHICH THE NATION MAKES BILLIONS OF DOLLARS IN PROFITS ON, AND THEY'RE HELD TOGETHER WITH DUCT TAPE AT THIS POINT. WELL,
11: AND JUST TO YOUR POINT, TERRY, JUST A COUPLE OF WEEKS AGO, YOU KNOW, WE HAD THAT BRIDGE COLLAPSE IN MEMPHIS, uh, WHERE the, THE BARGE HIT THE uh, the stanchion OF THE BRIDGE, AND TRAFFIC ON THE MISSISSIPPI BACKED UP uh, FOR MILES. SO, YOU'RE RIGHT. THE, the PORTS in, ALONG THE MISSISSIPPI ARE OLD. IN SOME CASES, THEY'RE, YOU KNOW, THEY WERE BUILT IN THE 1930s AND 40s. Uh, THERE'S MONEY IN THIS BIDEN Uh, $1 billion, not the human infrastructure bill, the $1 trillion bill. There's money in there for dredging. There's money for more improvements. But you know how Washington works. It's a slow process. I mean, the money, you know, Biden signs the bill December 12th. The money will start to make its way there in February, March, April. Then it takes, you know, another 18 months to sign the contracts and then two years before they do any work. We just move slowly.
1: Okay, we're go, uh, we're going to continue our conversation, but we've got people on the line. They're uh, anxious to talk to you, Dan. Let's go to Robert on line three. He's listening to us in Sacramento on KTKZ Radio. Go ahead, Robert. Hello. Hi.
12: You're yeah, on the air from
11: Chicago, actually.
1: Okay, go ahead.
11: Yeah, my comment is: uh, What do you think uh, about using the National Guard? And also, Mister Desantis from
2: Florida was also interested in getting some of those shifts on his side what do you think about that
1: um i don't know what go ahead ahead.
11: i've I've heard about this i've heard about this and it's been something that's been kicked around in terms of but you know again you can put people there but you have to train them you have to train you know a longshoreman's job is not something that you just walk into and all of a sudden you are a longshoreman uh there's union contracts there's all sorts of stuff that has to be negotiated uh, IT'S it's AN INTERESTING IDEA IN THEORY. AND, YES, I'VE HEARD WHAT uh, GOVERNOR DESANTIS HAS TALKED ABOUT, ABOUT BRINGING MORE TRAFFIC TO uh, THE SOUTH FLORIDA PORTS AND JACKSONVILLE AS WELL. YOU KNOW, ANYTHING TO, to REDUCE THE BACKLOG RIGHT NOW, ANYTHING TO DO THAT uh, IS PROBABLY SOMETHING THAT DESERVES TO BE LOOKED AT AND LOOKED AT SERIOUSLY. BECAUSE, uh, YOU KNOW, LONG BEACH, LOS ANGELES, uh, 40%, 40% OF THE INBOUND CARGO IN THIS COUNTRY GOES THROUGH LONG BEACH AND LOS, Ange- uh, Long Beach and Los ANGELES. And I asked a, a transportation expert the other day, and I asked Gene Soroka uh, who runs Los Angeles, I said, is this a national security threat being this concentrated? And grudgingly, they, you know, everyone seems to think that we may have a problem here. Uh, does uh, does
1: that mean, let me just follow through on that. Again, in the early days of following uh, 9-11, uh, there was a lot of stories about that the cargo that comes to the United States is not very well policed or, or, or inspected. Uh, is is that part of the problem? Is that there will be those evildoers that will be taking advantage of these delays and maybe a desire to uh, maybe not look the other way but at least to examine this, this cargo uh, very, uh, you know, very quickly and not necessarily very effectively. Is that an issue or am I, am I stating no, an issue uh, that may not be I, real?
4: I
11: I have been in on the port of Baltimore and I've spent around the customs and border patrol folks and they do a tremendous job and cargo is screened for radioactive material they've got bomb sniffing dogs there they've got drug sniffing dogs there they do a pretty good job I mean handling uh, large amounts of cargo of finding stuff that shouldn't be in you know on the ships coming to this country do they catch it all no but we've never had an incident that uh, has been a national a major national security threat with you know something from cargo that's come through, we've never had a dirty bomb, thankfully, come through a cargo ship mm-hmm. because that stuff gets screened and it gets it gets screened before it goes on the truck. After you know after it comes off the ship, it gets screened. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a question
1: about about food uh, distribution, uh, and this this may be more of a domestic issue, but um, do do the large chain stores. Do they automatically get priority when it comes to distributing their products to, let's say, you know, 300 or 400 stores from coast to coast, as opposed to a small operation of mom and pop stores that may represent only 13 or or 14 stores in a particular area? Does the big guy always get the best service? You know, I don't know
11: the... I, I don't know the I don't know the answer to that. I really don't, and that's a good question, Bruce. I don't know the answer to that. Something I'll I'll make some inquiries about, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll shoot you a note, and I'll get back in that. I, I don't know, but I will say one thing that you know during the toughest days of COVID, uh, March of last year, April of last year, I you know the, we had the toilet paper thing, which was kind of weird. Yes. But uh, I never would even I was never able not to find milk. I was never able to find a hamburger or whatever I needed at the store. You know, it was a little tough in some cases, but we, we got our way through it. And, you know, you, there's bound to be some hoarding. People will say, well, I'm, you know, there, there may be a shortage of Thanksgiving turkey, so I'm going to go buy my turkey now and put it in my freezer. Uh, that That's just human behavior. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I find that just this is a, a, a local anecdotal story, but I find that uh, if you buy milk, or at least when I attempt to buy milk at my local Walgreens, uh, usually uh, if it's Friday afternoon, you can't get it. For almost uh, several days, uh, at least the Walgreens that I well, bought.
11: Well, yeah, because the, the, the sh- the, yeah, the the, the the truck has probably come in and bought right. it. But it, but you know, while you might not be able to get it at the Walgreens, if you go down the street to the CBS or go to the Jewel Osco yep. or the Kroger, they they've yep. got you know 200 gallons of milk. It just depends on yep. what store you go to and how right. much how much they buy, right? Uh, in anticipation of uh, you know you and others coming in. Right. Let's go to Doug. He's listening to us in
1: Spokane, Washington, on KXLY. Doug, go ahead. Doug, are you there? Doug has given up. How about Robert from Sacramento, California? Are you there?
4: Good afternoon. Thank Good Hello. afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. I was wondering if possibly uh, California's irrational war on anything diesel has any uh, impact on the
1: uh backlogs um there were on what i'm sorry i didn't i didn't hear it diesel i know i know what he's talking about there there is a school
11: of thought that uh that california and and i'm I'm, like i said i'm a reporter i'm not a politician here there is a school of thought that uh some believe that california and the california air resources board has uh has, has damaged the trucking company trucking companies uh there's a whole list of things that may way too much to get into uh, but, you know, there's trucks that run in California. Uh, they just, because of the unique air problems that they have uh, in Southern California especially, uh, they're, they are working very hard to electrify, especially what's called the drayage uh, truck drivers, those guys who go in and out of the ports. Uh, they're working really hard to go to more electric vehicles in, in the ports. Uh, no, I don't think it's a, a problem, just from a reporting standpoint, at least the experts I talk to. But it's, there are some people who believe that it is. Uh,
1: look into your crystal ball. How is this dilemma going to end,
11: Dan? You didn't want to, uh, didn't we spend want to more predict money on, when, but... but we, we spend more money on highways. Uh, we make truck driving uh, more of a uh, a job like it was in the 70s and 80s. We make uh, we make it more desirable. It, it, it pays a good... You know, it pays... Yeah. It's a good paying job. I mean, a truck driver for Walmart is making starting salary $80,000 plus a year. Uh, You know, they're making a good buck. We make it uh, so that it's desirable. Another thing is there's a lot of talk about uh, bringing 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You know, you can drive a truck uh, in the state of Illinois from Chicago to Cairo, uh, up and down the state of Illinois. But if you cross into Ohio or Missouri, uh, you've broken federal law. Uh, there's legislation in Congress in this uh, in the Biden uh, infrastructure bill to allow 18, 19, and 20 year olds to drive trucks across state lines okay. under very specific rules. They have to have certain type of trucks with safety equipment, and they have to undergo a very uh, rigorous uh, mentoring and training program. That'll probably be in the in the uh, final bill that gets signed by the president. That will allow more truck drivers. We need to get more ex-military folks who have driven convoys in the military. And uh, you know, to what the guests were talking about in the first hour, we need to, as a society, start to really value folks who work in the trades, whether they're carpenters or plumbers or electricians or truck drivers. These are good jobs. They pay middle-class wages or better. Uh, you work hard, you bust your butt, but they're good jobs. And we've set up this system, Bruce, over the last 40 or 50 years, where the idea of success in our world is 18 years old, go to State U, get a college yep. degree, uh, rack up some debt, and then go out into the working world at 23, 24 years old. Uh, a lot of good jobs that pay, you know, 60, dollars $80,000 a year that you can do at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And we need to encourage people to get on those and, and get moving.
3: Rush, what about, Dan, the idea of driverless trucks? I know Tesla had a couple in in production that they were working on. Do you think the technology will get to the point where maybe there's not a need for humans to drive the truck and maybe Tesla and some other companies can come out with trucks that drive themselves? Can you see that playing a factor with this problem that we're having?
11: Under some circumstances, but it's going to be a long, slow process to convince people that you can have an 18-wheeler going down the Kennedy Expressway Uh, at 55 miles per hour, if you can go that fast, most days you can. I've met uh, with some unions. Miles per hour, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and not have a driver in the truck. Uh, got the to... question I always ask people is, do you, would you get in an airplane that's flying 500 miles per hour, that's running exclusively on autopilot with no I, two people up in the
1: I would not want to be in that uh, on the expressway when that's going on. Dan Rowan, thank you very much for joining us this evening. You've You've added a lot to our conversation. We'll talk to you soon. Don't go away with another segment of Beyond the Beltway coming up. Don't go away.
7: Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hurd garris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit healthychildren.org.
12: One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihabprediabetes.org. That's doihabprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
7: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce Dumont back. We continue, and uh, let's see, I think we've used all of our callers. 1-800-723-8029. We've got uh, time for some more callers if you want to hop on the line. Uh, Stephanie, my question to you is uh, Steve Bannon is back in the news again, and whenever Steve Bannon pops in the news, it usually means there's probably not some good news coming down the pike for Donald Trump. And uh, it's been a long time since you've been on the program, so I've not asked you. Uh, what your thoughts are for the future of the party and whether or not you think uh, you are a conservative, you are more of a Republican than a Democrat, certainly. Are you um, are you excited about the possibility of voting for Donald Trump again? Or is there someone else running that you think would be a better standard-bearer for the Republicans in 2024?
2: But can you keep a secret? Yeah. Um, I would not want Trump to run again for many reasons. I think he was a phenomenal president, the best president in my lifetime, but he's such a distraction for what needs to be done. Right now, Steve Bannon mentioning him, Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. In preparation for today, I watched the Talking Head shows, and it's been a while since I watched them, and I couldn't believe how much Trump is such an issue still with them. Uh, There are a lot of people that probably could step up and do as well as Trump did. He laid out the blueprint for what to do. I uh, Wouldn't it be great if he were Speaker of the House? No, that's a whole nother topic. But um, at this point, uh, this is ridiculous what they're doing with, with Steve Bannon. January 6th is such an issue, and they've revved people up over this thing. I believe that the, I lo- everyone loves DeSantis and what he's doing, how fearless he is, and, and when it comes to all these COVID issues that he's certainly taken the lead on. But I love Trump. I respect him. But I think at this point, I would like for him to be a kingmaker, for him to go out and and do the rallies that he does, support certain candidates, endorse people, but not to be
3: president again. Steve Bannon is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is Steve Bannon. Donald Trump would never, ever would have become president if it wasn't for Steve Bannon. It It was Bannon that showed him that ideology that was not what I call core conservative Christian ideology. It's hate. Hate speech sells. And there is that pocket of America, that believes that black and brown are taking over. They're paranoid. They're insecure. And it was, it was Donald Trump that came and gave that message that told those people, hey, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'm going to fight for you. And it was Steve Bannon that gave him that platform. Why so, did
1: so many African-Americans and... More black people voted for, for him.
3: First of all, yeah. this is this is a terribly exaggerated number. Yes, <laughs> if you... By and large, though, yeah. it's still, what is it, 93% of African-Americans voted for a Democrat? So this is, yeah, okay, so it's up a little bit, but it's not enough to say that now all it's of a sudden... And,
2: in 40 years. I mean, yeah. no offense, Trump is the only president that stood in the White House and said, to address African, I don't say African-Americans, we black, and said, this is your country, you help build it, you're not getting the recognition that you need. And to say that he appealed to this group of people that are afraid of the he, he browning did. of America, he, he
3: that did. Is, that's ridiculous. They're, they're, they're the ones who also no, us Terry, to, they, they attack the Capitol as well. I was a a, a for a long
1: time. time. A question yeah. to Terry. Terry, uh, uh, let me ask you this question. Um, as you look, you, you've, you've seen uh, political movements come and go, uh it certainly appears uh that the trump movement is not going away do you think it's getting stronger i, I think it's getting stronger would you agree with that or not
4: you, you know there is what what stephanie said i think there's uh, certainly a recognition within some part of the republican party uh that trump brings a lot of baggage that necessarily the party doesn't need. They certainly would say that if if Trump could be there as a player, now I think that Trump is going to run, I don't think he's going to back away from that and he would at this point probably be the nominee. Um, And he could be uh, as Grover Cleveland was, the first president since then to be elected twice but with a four year gap in between. Uh, The problem also with Trump, as we see with Joe Biden, although Trump seems to be the energizer bunny, is that he's going to be 78 years old when he runs in 2024, if he runs. And to what extent does that put the kibosh on other people's, uh, you know, desires to move up? You know, Bruce, too, very briefly, coming up in 2022, and that could have an impact. We have 14 Democratic senators, uh, 20 GOP, and five of those uh, seats for the GOP are open seats mm-hmm. where we have resignations, none for the Democrats. So that's right. something else to watch.
1: Yeah. And I think that's going to be that's going to be I, mean, I don't think I don't see Trump making any decision until uh, we get results from uh, from 2022.
3: No, but Do- Donald Trump should run again because he is the face of the Republican Party. Um, the whole Reagan Republican, they don't exist anymore. And when I see, so you want him yes, to we run. do. So do I do want... I want him to run? The reality is he should run because he is Republican Party. He is the one who has the the value that says. And I know you're really not going to like this, but his rallies and his environment speaks larger than anything because it's he's just, it's a very pro white base oh my gosh. that want how, to see him Trump be president. How many Trump rallies
2: have you attended? I have attended them in Arizona in, 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 in I, uh, Illinois, in Illinois and Wisconsin. I, let me explain I have I why would I want to be well, there for?
3: I'm a Muslim. Okay. I'm not welcome you there. You are welcome. Uh, oh, welcome. No, oh, no, Muslim, oh no, I'm not. No I'm not. Oh yes you are. Let me explain. Muslims are not welcome. Oh, okay. let's, let, let's, let let me let Stephanie me just respond. let
2: me reply to this. I was a, I've been a conservative for over 20 years. Trump joined us. We are not Trump followers. He didn't speak to a certain crowd. He decided to jump on our train and and speak to what people were were very disappointed in both parties, Republicans and Democrats, giving us the same story. To say that you're not welcome, well, you know what? Next time there's a no, Trump I'm, rally, let's go together. Oh, and I would can, never, I would never well, yeah, ever in a million years do Because it's easy for that. you to curse you the go? darkness. Why,
3: why, would, I, why would I? Why would I go to a Trump? This is a man. He is a man. Learn. He did a. You could learn Remember now, what he was do? literally, he was literally three weeks into office. And he installed a Muslim ban in the oh majority gosh. in the majority of Middle Eastern countries, and a lot of those countries had nothing to do with terrorist acts, nothing to do with war, but nothing to do with violence. They didn't but have yet, any vetting of, but, of people yeah. coming we, to the country. Oh, that's fine then. Why don't we do that to Europe then? Well, I think well we didn't though. Good, we you know, we did it. We did it almost exactly. We they, we typecast. They we they, typecast, do we have, they do have vetting in Europe, and they do have parts in Middle East as well. Fine, and in Egypt they do, parts not in
1: every country.
3: but but they do do in a lot of the countries
1: on that note of disagreement that's fine you have a smile on your face (laughs) Stephanie you have a smile on your face it's rare at the end of the program that everybody has a smile on their face Uh, Terry I assume you do as well Terry Martin has been with us Uh, he is the founder of the Illinois Channel Terry thank you very much Stephanie uh, has also been with us Uh, Stephanie Trussell uh, she is a talk show host and political activist and Rush Starwish is a Democrat, former congressional candidate, Frankie Rodriguez. Thank of you very much. a very
5: special woman. In a matter of, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart
8: A public service announcement brought to you by
12: AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man.
10: Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
12: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
10: 145
5: over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest,
6: and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
0: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
3: My memory is
5: shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
6: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org.
0: It's a new life, but I'm gonna make it better. I'm uh, Coming back, ask your doctor, check your blood pressure.
6: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.